Thank you so much for that, brother. You've done a great job. Thank you all for uh, praising the Lord this morning, how good it is to be um, here in the church house. Everybody take your Bibles. Turn with me over to Matthew chapter number 14. That wasn't my message, but I just had to say that. Matthew chapter number 14, and we're going to be looking at a very familiar passage of Scripture this morning. We'll be starting at verse number 22. We'll start at verse number 22 and read through about verse... Um, Number 34. Look what the Bible says. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is the Spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Let's go on to the next verse. I love this one. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. Peter says, Lord, if that's really you, then I know if you can walk on water, you can cause me to walk on water. So let me come where you are. <laughs> I love that. Let me experience what you are experiencing by your power. Then he goes on and says, Jesus, and he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and called him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. And they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth thou art the Son of God. And when they were gone over, they came over unto the land of Genesaret. Let's pray together. Father, we again love you. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. Lord, I'm thankful today for the truth of your word. I'm thankful for this privilege of being able to stand before these people with an open Bible. And Lord, I know that nothing I can do here really will ever be effective. I don't want to operate in my power. Lord, I want to operate in your power. Without your power, your presence, doing the work in this place, Lord, the work is not going to get done effectively. So I'm praying that you move me out of the way and you use me today, Holy Spirit, for your honor and for your glory. I'm praying, Lord, that you would fill me up. I'm praying that you would pour me out into the lives of these people. I'm praying that you would convict hearts where conviction is needed. I'm praying that you comfort hearts where comfort is needed. You know what we all need, for you know us better than we even know ourselves. Lord, I'm praying that the church be edified, and I'm praying that Satan be horrified. In Jesus' name we pray, and for your sake, amen. Matthew chapter number 14 gives us the story of one of my favorite Bible characters. I'm sure that if we were around the room this morning, we all could name some favorite, favorite Bible characters. I've got several. I, I, I got a whole lot that I love from the Old Testament and the New Testament. But one of my absolute favorites is the Apostle Peter. I love talking about Peter, preaching about Peter, reading about Peter, learning about Peter. I love Peter. I'm so thankful for this brother's ministry and what the Word of God says about him because it's been such a great blessing to my life. I love Peter really for two reasons. First of all, uh, I can relate to Peter. That's why I like him. I look at Peter and I see a lot of myself many times. How many of you know Peter had a disease that I myself have also been diagnosed with? It's called the foot and mouth disease. Anybody else ever struggle with that? That's what Peter had. And the Lord is continually showing me that he gave me two ears. He created me with two ears 
and one mouth for a reason. I probably most of the time need to listen twice as much as I talk. Well, Peter had that same problem. He, he had the foot and mouth disease. Sometimes he talked when he should have been listening, so I can relate to that. How many of you know Peter was not a perfect man? He was... Uh, he failed the Lord. As a matter of fact, if you remember, he was the one the night before Jesus was crucified that denied the Lord three times. Even after he had swore, he would die for him. If you remember, he was there in the upper room with all the rest of the disciples. And Peter said, Lord, everybody else may forsake you, but I won't. I'm going to stick with you to the end. And Jesus said, Peter, before the cock crows three times, you're going to deny me. And guess what happened? Peter, before the cock crew three times, had already denied the Lord. He failed him. He failed the Lord. He was an Perfect man. So I can relate to Peter. I myself am an imperfect man. Peter didn't fail the Lord because he wanted to or because he planned to. It's just because he was human. Anybody else human this morning? Good, me and one other. Anybody else human this morning? We all fail the Lord. We all need the grace of God. We all need God's mercy. And I'm just so thankful that God's mercy is new for us each and every morning. So I can relate to this man. But not only can I relate to him, I'll also respect him greatly. Listen, Peter, he was a regular guy. I mean, he, he was. He was a regular, blue-collar, working-class guy that the Lord used in an amazing way. Yes, Peter failed the Lord, but you've also got to remember what the, Peter did for the Lord, how he loved the Lord, how he followed the Lord, how he even gave his life for the preaching of the gospel. If you remember, Peter was the first pastor of the first church in Jerusalem. He stood up on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came as a rushing mighty wind. He preached that day and 3,000 souls got saved. The church was born through the preaching of Peter and the power of the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. This is the same Peter who in Acts chapter number 5, the Bible says the power of God rested upon him so strongly, was working in him and working through him so strongly that people were bringing sick folks out to the side of the road that so when Peter would walk past and his very shadow would go over those sick people, they were being healed. Not by Peter's power, but by the power of God that again was working on him, working in him, and working through him. Can you say it? Same Peter. This is the same Peter who wrote... First and second Peter. And if you don't know what a blessing that is, I encourage you to spend some of your quiet time in the books of first and second Peter. Man, the Lord used this brother in a fantastic way. And this gives me hope. And maybe it gives you hope. If God can take an imperfect man like Peter and by his grace use him for his honor and his glory. If he can do it for Peter, can he do it for me? And if he can do it for me, can he do it for you? See, a lot of y'all are here this morning and thinking, boy, there's, I, there's no way the Lord's ever going to use me, Pastor. You don't, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've said. You don't know where I've been. You don't know the decisions and choices I've made. Listen to me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've said. You don't know where I've been. You don't know the decisions and choices I've made. But by God's grace, He chooses to do for me what I can't do. He did it for Peter. He can do it for me. He can do it for you. He can do it for us all. How many of you know if God's going to use anybody, He's got to use imperfect people? That's all He's got left. None of us have arrived. All of us, all of us still need God's mercy and grace daily. Remember that. You're not alone. God is able to use imperfect people, regular, ordinary Everyday people to do extraordinary things. You know, you know that's how God's always done it. 
1 Corinthians chapter number 1, verses 26 through 28, the Bible says, Paul speaking here, he, he said that, uh, you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise men after the flesh have been called, not many mighty, not many noble. What he's saying is, according to your fleshly existence, you're not really wise, you're not really powerful, you don't have any noble worth about you, you're just regular people. He, but, but he goes on to say, God has chosen you, the weak things of the world, to confound the mighty. God has chosen you, the base things of the world. To confound the things that seem to, to seem to be so powerful. God still uses ordinary, everyday people just like us to do extraordinary things. And we find that out in the life of Peter. He's the one who walked on water. I don't know of anybody else in this world before or since Peter that has ever walked on water except him and Jesus. Isn't that amazing? God can do amazing things with you and I as well. This morning I want to talk to you about the master of the wind. The master of the wind. Yeah, Peter has a part to play in it, but uh, we're going to see the real star of this show is the Lord Jesus himself. There's five things that I want to share with you right here from this text of Scripture, and we're going to do it quickly. So if you'll listen fast, I'll talk fast. First of all, I want you to see the command of Jesus. The command of Jesus. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 14 and verse number 22, that Jesus straightway constrained his disciples. Now, if you underline in your Bible, and I hope you do, underline that word constrained. That word constrained actually means commanded. So let's read it like that. And Jesus straightway commanded his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side. When I'm talking about commanded, I'm not saying Jesus is asking them to get into a boat and go over to the other side. He's commanding them. He's telling them to get into the boat and go over to the other side. I think everybody except my kids knows the difference in commanding, um, telling, and asking. Amen? But sometimes they struggle with it. But most of us understand and know that when Jesus is constraining and commanding, He is Lord and Master. His disciples are those who follow Him. And He says to them, I'm not telling you, asking you to get in the ship. I'm telling you to get in the ship and go over to the other side. Now, why is this important? Well, let, let's, let's look at this. I believe that Jesus had... Full foreknowledge of what was going to take place in the night they were rowing into, in the sea that they were out there rowing in. I think he knew the storm was coming when he commanded them to get into the boat. And if that is true, then we must ask ourselves why. Why would Jesus allow or even cause his disciples to get into the midst of a storm? Now, folks, we need to find that out because... How many of you have ever found yourself in the middle of a storm? In the middle of a tough time, a terrible circumstance? Has God ever allowed you to get into a place that you couldn't fix your situation? Because that's exactly what he does with his disciples right here. And I think he does it for two reasons, at least two reasons. First of all, God allows us to get in the middle of a storm to show us how small we are. How insignificant we are. How powerless we are because we truly are powerless without him. We can't do what needs doing without him. It's sometimes hard for us to see how much we need the Lord if we think we can handle every situation. So I think there comes times in our lives when God allows us to be a part of a situation or a circumstance to enter our lives that we can't fix ourselves. So that we got to trust him. So that we must look to him. So in the middle of the storm shows us how small we are, but it also shows us how big he is. When the storm is too big for me to conquer, and it's too big for me to row through, as we're going to see in a minute, listen, 
when the waves that gives me so much trouble and the wind is beating against my ship and I'm doing my best to get through, when I can't make it, Jesus comes walking on the waves. He's the master of the wind. He's the maker of the waves. He has control over all things. And if we don't get in the storm from time to time, we can't see just how big he truly is. Amen? The storm directs us to a truth about Jesus that we really can't see any other way. So he says to his disciples, get into a boat and cross over to the other side. Storms are not easy. Storms are terrifying. Whatever storm you're talking about, physical storms. I'm talking about when the doctor calls and gives you that news that nobody wants to get. It can be terrifying emotional storms when you're struggling emotionally I think can sometimes be even more um, hurtful than the physical pain I'm talking about relational storms when your marriage just ain't working out like you think it ought to work out and a relationship with your kids ain't what it needs to be or what you want it to be or those relationship storms those relational storms that can that can tear your heart out like nothing else financial storms you ever been in those we all face storms throughout our lives my storm may look different than yours and yours may look different than mine but we all face them and the Lord allows us to get there again to show us how much we need him and how big he is we need to see the command of Jesus but we also need to see the contra- contrariness of the wind the Bible said that the wind was contrary there's a few things that I want us to see here uh, under this point they, they all start with D so you can rem- remember them first of all I want you to see the distance Historians tell us that from where they were, where Jesus fed the 5,000, until where he had commanded them to cross to the land of Genesaret was about five miles. It was about a five-mile crossing. Now, not only do I want you to see the distance that Jesus commands them to go, but you also need to see the disciples themselves. It's a well-known fact that at least four of the disciples we know were fishermen. Some say maybe as many as seven were fishermen when Jesus called them to be disciples. Now, why is this important? Well, folks, if you are a fisherman that fishes to, to feed, feed your family, I mean, that's your profession. That's what you've done since you've been knee-high to a grasshopper. Then you know how to row a boat. And listen, they have rowed on these waters their whole life. It would not have taken them any time whatsoever to row the distance that Jesus had commanded them to row, uh, given their know-how. You need to see the distance. You need to see the disciples. You also need to see their determination. The Bible says they had rowed all night long. They started in the evening hours, probably about 5 or 6 o'clock. And then the Bible says Jesus actually came walking to them in the third watch of the night. The third watch of the night is the hours from 3 to 6 o'clock a.m. So they had now been rowing in this boat for about 7 to 8 hours, trying to cross a five-mile stretch of water. These experienced fishermen had went about three miles, the Bible tells us, between three and four. So now they're right in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, and the Bible tells us, (laughs) listen to me now, that the wind was contrary. No matter how determined they were to row through that storm and do exactly what Jesus told them to do, they couldn't do it in their own power. Even though they had the know-how, Even though they had the determination, even though they had been fishing all their lives, these experienced fishermen couldn't do the job. The storm was just too powerful. Do you ever feel that way? Let me see if I can describe for you 
a contrary wind. You, I, I can just see them out there. They're, man, they're, they're wanting to please the Lord, remember. They want to do everything they can to please the Lord. For goodness sake, this brother has just fed 5,000 people with a little boy's lunch. They saw it. They experienced it. They were part of it. They were the ones who kept handing out the baskets of fish. And every time they dipped back into the basket, there was more fish. Every time they dipped back into the basket, there was more bread. Every time they went back in thinking it to be empty, by the power of God, it's still full. They saw this. Now, if you had saw that with your own eyes, wouldn't you want to please the one who told you to go across the other side? The one who'd walk with them, talk with them, loved them, encouraged them, taught them. They want to do everything they can to make it over, to do what he says. But they can't do it. This contrary wind, this headlong wind is coming right in their face and they can't do it. So every time they row and make a foot or two, that wind blows them right back. Do you ever feel like in your life, in the storm that you're in, that you take two steps forward and three steps back? Hey, do you ever feel like in your life you're doing all you can possibly do to do what you believe God's told you to, and every time you get a little bit ahead, something happens and pushes you right on back? It happens to all of us. It happens to all of us. Now listen to me. Jesus has never once promised you will not enter into the storm. Did you know that? Now, I know you, you've probably heard some of the name it and claim it, blab it, grab it guys talk about how that as long as you've got enough faith, ain't nothing bad ever going to happen to you. I mean, you're, you're never going to have any kind of problems whatsoever. As long as you have enough faith and you're faithful to the Lord, you, 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 it's going to be hunky-dory and hallelujah all the time. You're going to have plenty of money. You ain't never going to get sick. You ain't never going to have any family problems. Nothing's going to happen as long as you have enough faith. You ever hear that stuff? Me too. And I wish I could tell you that was true, but the problem is it's not. See, if that mindset, if that way of thinking is true, then the Apostle Paul didn't have enough faith. Because this brother right here went through all kinds of stuff. I mean, he went through literal storms. He went through physical storms. He was beaten for preaching the gospel. He was ultimately beheaded for preaching the gospel. It wasn't because he was doing something wrong. It's because he was doing something right. Most of the letters that he wrote, he wrote while in prison. The Bible never says we won't go through tough times. You will. Jesus himself said it. Write this scripture down if you don't know it already. John 16, 33, Jesus said, In this world you shall have tribulation. It's not a might, it's not a maybe, it's not it could happen. You shall have tribulation in this world. But be of good cheer, he says. I have overcome the world. Amen? <laughs> now what does that mean? Well, if I'm in Christ and Christ is in me and he has overcome the world, he's overcome the problems, he's overcome the storms, then I, through his power, can overcome as well. So can you. Jesus never promises you won't enter a storm, but he always promises he'll be with you in the midst of a storm. And let me tell you what, I think that's better. Because you gain a knowledge and an intimacy with the Lord in tough times that you won't get any other way. I heard someone say when you get to the place and you find out that Jesus is all you got, you'll find very quickly that he's all you need. And that's true. He is. He is. 
He never leaves us in the midst of the storm. Here's the picture. Here you have Jesus sitting up on a mountain praying, and his disciples are down in the boat in the middle of a storm, in the middle of a storm that he commanded them to go into. So here's the Son of God and God the Son praying. I think he's praying for those disciples in the boat. Amen? Romans chapter number 8. The Bible teaches us that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. Do you know it? And he's ever making intercession for us, Romans 34. He's always praying for his people. He had, he's sitting up on high. Amen. In, in the story in Matthew 14, he's sitting up on the mountain. The disciples are down on the sea. And he's praying for them in the midst of their storm. Now listen to me. If you are a child of God, the Bible promises, according to Romans 8.34, according to the book of Hebrews, that he ever lives to make intercession for us. When we are in the middle of our storm, when we are in the middle of our crisis, we're in the middle of the circumstance that we can't fix. No matter how determined we are, Jesus prays for us. He never leaves nor forsakes us. He knows exactly where we are. Do you get me? Do you hear me? Because Satan wants you to believe that somehow Jesus has forgotten about you. Somehow he can't do what he's always done. Listen to me. Don't believe the lie of the enemy. Yes, we will face tough times. But the Bible promises he'll always be with us. And he'll always be for us. You go through tough times not because Jesus don't love you. You go through tough times because you live in a fallen creation. You live in a world marred by sin. And yes, God can even use and does even use those tough times to cause all things to work together for your good. For your good and His glory. That's how good God is. That's how big God is. So I want to encourage you this morning. Keep on keeping on. He knows right what you're going through, right where you are. He's sitting up on high making intercession for you. Notice the command of Jesus. Notice the contrariness of the wind. But now listen, I also want you to see the call of Jesus. Look in, if you will, here in uh, Matthew chapter number 14. And let's just start there at verse number 24. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is the Spirit. And they cried out for fear. Everybody see that? They were afraid. Nothing wrong with being afraid. Are you hearing me? Nothing wrong with being afraid. Courage is not the absence of fear. Unless you are a complete psychopath, then there's going to be fearful times in your life. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is the ability to do what's necessary in spite of fear. Amen? And that's what we got to do. We've got to be courageous in the Lord, trusting in His power, trusting in His truth, trusting in His might. The Bible tells us they were afraid and verse 27 says, But straightway Jesus came, uh, spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. So Jesus calls unto him and says, Look, I'm here with you. And, and if I'm here with you, you have no reason to fear. Is this, is this on? If I'm here with you, you have no reason to fear. Hebrews 13.5 says that he never leaves me nor forsakes me. Do you believe it? If I'm with you, 
you have no reason to be afraid. It's not that the storm won't come, they will, but he's the master of the wind. He's the maker of the waves, and when they get too big for us to handle, he walks on them. So he comes out to his disciples walking on the waves and calls to them. Now, you need to see also not, not just the call of Jesus here, but the comfortable disciples. You say, Brother, how, what do you mean the comfortable disciples? Well, let's look. Look what it says. Verse 29. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now, it's Peter that says, Lord, if it's really you, then I want to be where you are. I want to do what you're doing. It's Peter who says that. But when Jesus answers Peter, notice what he, all he says is come. Now, when I, when, I started, when I saw this, it just blessed my soul. Let me tell you why. He does not make a distinction on who he's talking to. He doesn't say, come Peter, does he? I don't think he's only talking to Peter. I think he's talking to everybody. He called to his disciples, it is I, be not afraid. He's talking to everybody. He says, come. He's not just saying, Peter, only you can come. He says, everybody, come. I want you to experience what I'm experiencing. I want you to be a part of what I'm doing. I want to do something amazing in your life that only I can do. I'm just going to show you something that's going to blow your mind. But you've got to come. But the only one who steps out of the boat was Peter. Why? Because the rest of them were more comfortable in the boat than being where Jesus is or where he wants them to be. And many times we get comfortable. Amen? Many times we can get comfortable in our sin. God forbid that should happen, but it does. We should never get comfortable with that which God says is sinful. And when we do, it's going to greatly affect how the Lord will and can use us. It's going to greatly affect your witness. It's going to greatly affect your ministry, and all of us have one. Don't get comfortable with things you know displeases God in your life. Remember, folks, sin has consequences. We all got to remember that. Every one of us. So don't get comfortable with, with sinful things. Don't get comfortable just in doing what you've always done. See, a lot of people think, well, Brother Israel, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm coming to church. I, I'm, I'm trying to pray every day. I'm studying. I'm doing that. What, what else is God leading you towards? What's he leading you to? What's he putting in your heart and in your mind? There may, may be somebody here this morning who is, uh, God's calling them to preach. I don't know. Maybe God's put it in your heart and you know that's what God's called you to. There may be somebody here today that God's calling the mission field. There may be somebody here today that God's calling to be more active in his local church. There may be somebody here today that God is calling to witness to a lost neighbor or a friend or a loved one. There may be somebody here today that God is calling to do something. But because you're more comfortable where you are, you don't want to be where Jesus is. There's a risk in stepping out on faith. Amen? There's a risk for Peter. No risk, no reward. Can you imagine the sight when Peter walks up to the edge of the boat? And remember now, the waves are still crashing, the wind's still blowing, the lightning, the thunder's rolling. He looks over the edge of this boat, and these waves are higher than his head, and he takes the first step out. How do you think he felt? 
How do you think the other disciples felt? And he steps down, and when he steps, he finds that he can walk. And when he sees that God's going to be with him in the first step, he takes the next step. And when he sees that God is with him in the next step, he takes the next. And all the time, he's keeping his eyes on Christ, walking to where he is. The God who will keep you in the first step will keep you in the next step. But you've got to be willing to take the first step. Walking by faith, Tony Evans says, is, is acting like God's telling the truth. Jesus said, come. Peter acted like he told the truth and got out of the boat. And we must do the same thing. Whatever God's leading you to. Whatever God's leading you away from, you've got to do the same thing. Jesus says, come. Take that step of faith. Trust him. The Bible says, Jesus called unto all of them, but the comfortable disciples, most of them, stood, stayed in the boat. Peter gets out and goes to him. Then I want you to see, for last and, 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 but certainly not least, the Christ in the middle of the storm. The, the Bible says in verse 30, but when he saw the wind boisterous and he was afraid and began to sink, he cried saying, Lord, save me. So Peter cries out to Jesus and he says, Lord, help me. Save me. I'm sinking. I'm about to drown. And the Bible says immediately, immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand, called him, and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? You've heard it said before, I'm sure. But man, it's so good. Anytime you take your eyes off Christ and put them on something else, the storm or someone else, people, whoever they are, and you take your focus off Jesus and put it on that which causes you fear. Anytime you do that, you're going to sink in your troubles. You're going to sink in the midst of your storm. So what's the key? Focus. Focus. There's a, a graphic that we use sometimes in worship, before worship. And many of you probably saw it. It's a great background with, with little bitty letters that says Jesus in the center. Y'all remember that? And so I had, I had somebody come to me once. They said, Brother Israel, um, I think we need to make Jesus bigger. I said, I get what you're saying, but you're missing the point. The whole point of that is to tell you to focus in on Jesus. Zero in on Him. <laughs> in our worship, yes, but certainly in the midst of your storm, man, focus in on Jesus. Zero in on Him. Keep your eyes on Christ. Because the Christ... In the middle of the storm is able, if you believe it, say amen this morning. I think the disciples were discouraged. I think they got to the place where they'd done all they could do and it just wasn't fixing their problem. Just wasn't helping in their storm. But Jesus said, be of good cheer. Keep your head up. Keep your head up. It is I. Be not afraid. Maybe he's saying the same thing to you today. I don't know what the Lord wants. I would, I'd planned on starting a brand new series of messages this morning, and the Lord just laid this on my heart. I feel like that's what he wanted for us this morning. Next week, we're going to start talking about harming in the home. I'm going to spend the next four weeks um, talking about what the Bible says about family, and I, I'm looking forward to that. I'm encouraging you to come be a part of that, bring somebody with you. I'd planned on starting out this morning, but I just felt this is what God wanted today, and maybe it's for you. It was certainly for me. I've got some storms in my life. I need to learn how to better walk by faith. But whatever God spoke to your heart today, this invitation is for you. If you need to be saved and you know that you've never yet trusted in Christ as your personal Savior, then I want to show you what that means through the Word of God. If you've got any question concerning that, 
You don't have to keep questioning. You don't have to keep wondering. You can nail it down today and know that you trusted in Jesus. If you'd like to do that, I want to show you what that means. If you're here today and you are in the midst of a storm, you say, brothers of the Lord, I need the Lord's help. Well, guess what? Call on him. When Peter called, Jesus reached down, didn't he? Immediately, the Bible says. He's our ever-present help in a time of need. He's our strength and our strong tower. He's the one we run to. So if you need him today, one, one of the things that, that always breaks my heart as a pastor, and I've seen this so many times, people who claim the name of Jesus, people who profess to be followers of Christ, will have something go on in their life, some problem, some storm, and instead of running to Jesus, they run from Jesus. Folks, listen to me. He's the one we run to. The world has nothing for you anymore. Maybe today you just need to run back to him and say, Lord, I need your help in this area. I need your help in that area. Lord, this, this storm in my relationship, I need it right here, Lord. I need you to help me right here. Lead God and direct me. Do what's necessary. Lord, this physical storm that I'm going through, you know what's happening. Lord, I need you right here. This emotional storm, whatever. He's enough. He's able. Ephesians 3.20, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or think, according to the power that works in us. He's able. Trust Him today. Everybody stand together. If you need the Lord, you come. I'd love to pray with you. Whatever you need, this is your invitation.